All right, let's kick it. Welcome to the Sobriety Diaries, friends. My name is Nate. I am a grateful recovering alcoholic and sober coach. My addiction has shaped the person I am today and given me the ability and voice to help others, and I simply wouldn't be here without it. Recovery is possible. The Sobriety Diaries is a video podcast where we talk to other recovering alcoholics and addicts. We hear their stories and hope to help others who may still be struggling. Head on over to the sobrietydiaries.com where you can apply to be a guest on the show and join our insiders list for early release episodes, exclusive content, and much more. Also, please share this podcast with just one person in your life who may still be struggling. You just never know what they may need to hear today. Happy Sober Day, friends. Thank you so much for downloading today's episode and spending time with me here on the Sobriety Diaries, and more importantly, being part of our community and recovering out loud. That is at the core of what we do here and my main goal, and I think telling the stories of addiction and more importantly, recovery will help us to accomplish that. So thank you so much. Today, we are talking with Max Fusaro. Max is a recovering opioid addict who found yoga in rehab, and it really altered the course of his life. He has since become a certified instructor and has really dedicated his life to the practice and has actually incorporated recovery and yoga into sort of a hybrid class that he teaches at Hot Yoga Revolution in New Jersey. Uh, He's really full of gratitude and service today, which I absolutely love. And again, despite perhaps differences on the outside, uh, Max and I can certainly relate to a lot of the same feelings and insecurities So it was a great conversation. So with that, let's open the diary on Max Fusaro. Max Fusaro, thanks so much for joining us on the Sobriety Diaries, my friend. How are you today? I'm pretty great. How are you, Nate? I'm pretty great also. I love Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me today. Super grateful to be here. Grateful to have you. Grateful that we connected and uh, look where we are now. What inspired you to come on the show today? Um, really, when you asked me to to share on the show today, it was for me. It's always just to be a yes, just show up, just say yes for any kind of recovery related anything really um, for me. And I know what really helped me in the beginning of my like recovery journey was listening to other people share their story and realize that like, oh, I'm not the only person that thinks this way. I'm not the only person that has tried to get sober 20 times and can't do it or, hmm. or more like 2000 times. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, that was kind of my, uh, my thinking behind it. Right. When you asked me, it was an instant. Yes. Uh, where are you joining us from today? So I'm joining from my house, which is in Garwood, New Jersey, central New Jersey. If there is one, I know there's like that okay. little debate, like, is there a central Jersey? Is there not? <laughs> um, so yeah, North central Jersey. So when was your last drink or drug and why was it that day in particular? Hmm. That is a great question. Uh, well, I know the day and the why is a whole different story. <laughs> um, but the day 
April 26th, 2017. So a little over four years ago. Um, and why? Um, again, like I said, great question. Um, it was just another like day, you know, it wasn't anything special, but I, um, I was doing well, opiates were my drug of choice, Oxycontin, Roxy, what, what, honestly, whatever you had. Um, so that was my drug of choice. And, uh, I would, yeah, I always thought to myself like, oh, it's from a pharmacy. It's, it's, I know what's in it, you know, but I'm getting it off the street. So I didn't know what was in it. And I took a fake pill that day and uh, my world started kind of spinning and um, threw up, passed out on my bathroom floor for a solid at least 12 hours. I think it was 14 or so and um, probably shouldn't have woke up, but I did. And that uh, and that wasn't anything like out of the ordinary, you know, that had happened before. Um, it wasn't the first time, but when I woke up, it felt just like the last time, you know, I don't know really how to describe it. Um, I kind of woke up and, uh, I had, I didn't like looking at myself at that time. I really didn't like the person I'd become. I feel like a lot of people can relate to that. Yeah. Um, I had all the mirrors in my apartment, like turned away, you know, like the one in the bathroom with the medicine cabinet behind it. I had it like forever open because I just yeah. didn't like looking at myself. Yeah. And, um, that day I just closed the mirror and looked at myself and like, not just looked at my outward appearance. I did look horrible. I knew that, but I kind of looked inward and, um, and I knew that like something needed to change. You know, I didn't want to live like this anymore. I didn't want to die anymore. And I knew like, this isn't me, you know, I wasn't raised like this. I wasn't brought up like this, this, this isn't me. And, um, I guess that's the why of it. I can't really explain why that happened for me. Just like higher power, like blessed with willingness, blessed with, yeah, the willingness to change, honestly, is is the way that I like to describe it. I don't know where it came from for me. It's from an outside source because every time I tried my own, on my own will to stop, on my own power, I couldn't do it. Like I said, I tried, I started with 200, probably closer to 2000, maybe yeah. more than that. Like every, like every day, Sunday morning, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah. Like, oh, not, not today. Yeah, yeah. Today's going to be the day. Yeah. I had sent you a text that we, we had a similar moment of clarity seeing mm -hmm. ourselves in the mirror and, you know, you pass by a mirror in your addiction, you come across mirrors, sure, but you never, I never looked at myself probably for a good five years and mm -hmm. there was just this morning that I took a long deep stare at myself and to your point it was that willingness that at the time was was just sort of like a fraction of of a moment like the willingness was there mm -hmm. and by the time I was in the car on the way to treatment it had kind of left but like I couldn't go back mm -hmm. but then of course the willingness it, it develops and it continues to grow but yeah it, it's it's beyond us where that willingness comes from right absolutely yeah absolutely so let's walk through your uh, addiction and sort of how it progressed to that point I'm one of those people that kind of believes that what we call disease of alcoholism, disease of addiction, well before picking up the drink, picking up any drugs. Um, I come from a phenomenal family, great family, two parents, um, married forever. My dad is like 
upper we're upper middle class i would say yeah. both my parents work but my dad is the hardest worker on the face of the earth and um, we never needed anything and growing up was provided and whatever i wanted um everything we wanted we got you know it's very t- well taken care of i'm the youngest of five boys like looking back on things um i could tell that the alcoholism the addiction like that kind of personality was there well before picking up the drink or the drug um and for me it it um it's very apparent with the dishonesty and being very selfish just from like my earliest memories you know i would tell my parents or tell my mom or my dad like hey i'm going to my friend matt's house but in reality i was going to my friend like jake's house and like they wouldn't have cared if i said i was going to jake's house but i just lied and said like i'm going to matt's house just to like get away with lying and have that little rush of like oh i can get over on these people i can do this i can do that like um so that kind of personality that like selfish dishonest like was with me from the rip from my earliest memories um, and then that kind of like picked up speed when introduced to drugs, alcohol, like I feel like like all of us, that lying, that manipulating, that self-centered selfishness just kind of snowballs. Like it's already there. And then I put the substances in my system and it just picks up speed. Um, so I started drinking when I was, I think the first time I was in eighth grade, so either 12 or 13, I can't remember. A lot of things happened that first time that just continued to happen, like all throughout my drinking, drugging career. I, um, I lied about where I was going, stole the alcohol that I was drinking that night. And the first time I drank, I blacked out. I like threw up and I fell asleep in a place that wasn't my bed. And a couple other things that continued to happen all throughout my drinking career. But most importantly, that first time, I got away with it. Mm. And that happened a lot throughout my career too. I got away with a lot of stuff, you know, the consequences didn't really come for me. And uh, that definitely like perpetuated my sickness for a long time. Um, So yeah, that was my first experience. Like first time was just a blackout drinker. And I thought that's just how everybody drank, you know, that's how everybody used. Like I didn't know. I was like, what's the point of having like two beers? I don't get it. Like, I didn't know, like my sweet spot was just blackout drunk. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't have like a sweet spot that was below that. (laughs) It was like, I'm drinking for effect. I don't like the taste of anything. I don't like really myself. And I have all these like fears and insecurities. And like I said, since I'm selfish and self-centered, like all eyes are on me. I feel like, even though they're not, like, I just felt like everybody was looking at me. Everybody's watching my every step. Like, Oh, do I have something in my teeth? How's my hair? Like this, that, the other thing. And um, drugs and alcohol just got me out of that immediately. So like I would drink for effect. I would drink to just completely get out of myself, just total oblivion, like blackout drunk. That's what I was going for because I didn't want to be, it was just an escape from reality. Um, And that's what it always was from the start. Like Like I said, I didn't like the taste of any of it. I was always the guy at any like, party growing up or really anything like i'm going i'm gonna find the hard alcohol i don't care what it is vodka gin tequila like whiskey it doesn't matter i'm gonna find that i don't really have that much interest in beer i'll drink it if that's what everybody else is drinking but i'm gonna be holding two and i'm gonna be the guy like saying oh let's shotgun or let's do this or that or like i'm gonna try to consume it as fast as i can (laughs) to like get out of myself you know 
I um, was like yeah. a, a beer bonging champion for a while, as <laughs> disgusting as that sounds. Uh, but to your point, it was like, I've got to like ingest this beer as quickly as possible. If that's what we're going to be drinking. Always for effect. Like, yes. how can I get the best bang for my buck? How can I consume this the quickest in order to get out of myself the fastest? Right. You know, do any of your brothers have addiction issues? No, not really. There's yeah. like a little bit of history of like a mental illness in my family. Um, but addiction does run in my family for sure. One of my cousins passed away from this disease um, a little while back. And uh, yeah, it's in my family for sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, so it definitely does run in my family. Like I said, that first time it was always just bang for my buck. And that kind of discontinued all throughout my drinking career, I drank whenever I could, started smoking, started smoking weed like all the time, all throughout high school, um, before school, like smoke in the morning, before going in, just like whenever I could honestly get my hands on anything just to get out of myself. Because like I said, I didn't like the person, like I, I didn't feel good in my own skin. Yeah, I, I drank every night and uh, or every basically every night and but I smoked weed 24/7. Like I was always under the influence of something for Same. those 4 years. Like yeah. no matter what it was, it was under the influence of something. Yeah, I, I was never weed, like, like sober. All day every day for probably like t almost 10 years. Yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. Again, <laughs> very and, much really. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so and I mean people ask me this question too, but I I'll ask it to you like how did how did you focus on academics or how did you graduate, um, with that lifestyle? Uh, yes. Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, well, I, I feel like all of us like addicts, alcoholics, we're very resourceful people. We're not <laughs> like, we're not stupid. You know, we know like how to get a job done, whether it's the right way or the wrong way, like we'll get it done, you know? Um, so for a lot of it, I cheated on a lot of stuff, you know, I like, yeah. I'm going to find the easiest, the softest way. Like I need to get this done. I'm going to do what I have to do to get it done. Just like when I need drugs, I'm going to do what I got to do to get it done, whether it's steal or whether it's take your wallet and help you look for it. Like I, I got to do mm. what I got to do, you know? Yes. Um, and that's kind of how I went about everything school included. Um, so I would, I would cheat on a bunch of stuff or I would like just cram. So yeah, that was really my college experience. And I was introduced to a lot of other drugs in college, experimented with really everything. Um, yeah, basically everything. And that's where I found opiates was in, in college. And that's where I kind of fell in love with them for a second. And I realized I was like, the first time I did them, I think I was like 19. And uh, I did them, like the 30 milligram, whatever, oxys. Um, and I did it that night. And I remember thinking to myself, I was like, this feels way too good like like everybody else like yeah everybody else is high like i see it like they're they're feeling good but for me like this is doing something different like way different and like i know myself like i could see myself getting way too addicted to this like i can't do that again i really can't i just can't mm -hmm. so i didn't i didn't do opiates for another like two years so what changed over that year or how were you reintroduced to it so I was reintroduced kind of, well, I did it like sporadically, I guess. And then more towards the end of like my senior year of college, um, I started picking up with it a little bit more, um, mainly because I, I started throwing myself that pity party that I'm sure all of us have done. 
um, like I have everything in reality, like, but the word gratitude just wasn't in my vocabulary for the first 25 years of my life. It just wasn't there. Um, cause I was always provided everything. So like I didn't, yeah, gratitude just wasn't a part of my life in the slightest bit. It really wasn't. And, um, I started throwing myself this pity party of like just these ridiculous things that if they happen to me today, um, I believe I'd be perfectly fine. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. but, uh, but then like, I didn't have any coping mechanisms. I didn't have a, a, like community. I didn't have a sponsor. I didn't have people to bounce things off of. I wasn't okay with sharing my emotions. I didn't know how to process emotions. So these things started coming up and uh, I turned to drugs. And for me, it was like, I was graduating college. So I was about to move home with my parents and I, at college, I lived at school. So I was like, oh, I'm going to lose all this freedom, like all this stuff. I started doing opiates because they were easier to hide. And, uh, and honestly, they felt like they were my favorite, you know, that was my yeah. drug of choice. And, um, once I started, there was, I could lie to myself all the time. Like I said, I was just a liar from the very beginning manipulator. Um, and I'm the best, per I'm, I'm the best liar to myself. I got caught pretty early on in that whole, like move home with my parents. I think it was only like a year if that, that uh, I got introduced to recovery and trying to get sober or not really trying, but like introduced to detoxes, outpatient programs, rehab, like stuff like that. Didn't really take me too, too long. It didn't last very long. I was living with my parents and also stealing from them at the same time, mm. stealing money from them. And, um, but the whole time I'm telling myself, like they said, I'm a great liar, especially to myself. Every time I'll take like a hundred dollars. I'm like, I'm going to put this back tomorrow. I swear. And I believe it, you know, like I honestly like swear that I believed it in that moment. Like I'm going to take this, but tomorrow I'm going to figure out a way to put it back. That was my first introduction to this program. You know, my parents noticing that there's money missing and um, they like my dad confronted me, said something to me. And like I said, from the rip, just like liar, manipulator. I was backed into a corner. I'm just going to try to lie my way out of it. So I said, uh, he's like, there's money missing from the safe. I was like, it wasn't me. I'm the only person living at home. Like it was me, Yeah. you know? And, uh, and then I admitted, I was like, okay, I have a sports gambling problem. You know, mm. I was like, let me try to buy myself some time. Yeah. That lasted all of about like, I don't even know, probably like 10 minutes. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, that short. And huh? it, yeah. It just didn't last very long. Like they knew something was up and, uh, that's kind of how it went. I went to outpatient and I had absolutely no, I had no interest in staying. You know, I had no interest in being there. I didn't want to hear anything anybody wanted to say, you know, I was trying. And even in the outpatient, I knew I was going to get drug tested for those first couple of days. Like I was, and I was going, and I was just high, you know, all the time. I was just coming up dirty and dirty and dirty. And I couldn't, I just couldn't stay clean in the outpatient program. I was just like, I couldn't do it. I, I was trying. I knew I was going to show up and get tested. And uh, all my friends are like, I'm 22 at this point. You know, all my friends are drinking and smoking and like they have jobs and they're all good. Like they can do it on the weekends and then maybe they smoke during the week, but they're good. Like they're not, they're not doing hard drugs. They're not stealing money from the people that love them and they're not creating havoc. Um, so that was my plan. I'm just going to get out of here. I'm going to smoke weed and I'm just going to drink a little bit on the weekends. And that plan lasts all of about maybe like 
one day, <laughs> you know, like I, just, I was trying to decide how long you were going to yeah, quantify it not, as. Uh, uh-uh. I'm not that like white knuckle guy that can, yeah. like, I've seen those kind of people and God bless them, but that's just not me. You know, I'm uh, I know my relapse, like the back of my hand. I've done it so many times that, uh, I can't do it. I can't white knuckle it. You mm-hmm. know, my relapse starts with me just smoking weed and then, uh, I'll smoke and then I drink and then I'll go out and well, I would, I used to go out and drink with my friends, but they didn't know anything. You know, I would never tell anybody like I'm an outpatient. I'm in this, I'm in that. Like it was all a big secret mm-hmm. so I could keep my drinking friends so I could keep my partying friends. So nobody would question me, you know, and that cycle just keeps happening. Like, I'm just going to do this. I can figure this out. Like I'll do it Max's way. I'll, I'll, I'll just drink beer and i'll just smoke weed and i'll figure it out and it, it never works and i just keep trying it's just like insanity you know and um and then april 26th happened 2017 and it was another failed attempt that i'm just gonna drink beer and smoke weed and i end up taking some fake oxy fentanyl and falling out in my bathroom you know that's where just just smoking weed gets me i end up doing some fentanyl that i didn't want to do you know um were you living alone at the time I was living with a roommate in Hoboken at the time. Oh, okay. Um, they were not home. So yeah, for me, I, I'm lucky to be here. You know, if life were fair, I say it often, if life were fair, I'd be dead or in jail, you know, same here, but lucky for me, life's not fair and we're here for a reason. I never wanted to go to rehab. I always thought like I had all the fears of like, Oh, what are these people going to think of me? Like my friends are going to know I'm gone for 30 days or, my job's going to know that I have an issue or blah, 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 blah. So I would always just do like a detox and an IOP and just like try to skip out on the rehab part, you know? Yeah. And this time I was just willing to just do whatever it took, you know, whatever they told me to do. So I like went to all the meetings in the detox, all like the 12 step meetings that they brought in. And I was actually listening to what the people told me to do. And, um, this time they said, uh, they recommended that I go to, residential treatment in Arizona and uh, I'm in New Jersey that's three quarters of the way across the country but whatever you know it's it's whatever they tell me to do I was going to do they tell me to jump I was going to say how high you know like I didn't want to die anymore I really didn't and I came close a bunch of times and uh, I didn't know how to do that you know I didn't know how to not die my way got me back to like almost dying all the time so I was just ready to do something somebody else's way, at least just like give it a shot, you know? Um, and I heard in that detox, that first, that one this time around, like one of the 12 step recovery people brought in the meeting and they said how this program works, how you, how this works. The H standard for honesty, the O was open-mindedness and the W was willingness and none of those things have I ever tried in my life. You know, I had never tried to, I'd never been honest. I was never open-minded. I was always very like narrow, closed-minded. I'm going to do this Max's way. Like I'm going to drink and smoke weed. Like I got it figured out. Like I'm like, I got it. I don't need to consider anybody else's plan. I have the plan. I got it. Very closed-minded at all times. And, um, the W willingness, how it works. I don't know where it came from. You really don't just like blessed with willingness is yeah. the best way for me to describe it. And that's kind of how it went. I went to that rehab and just kept asking what's next. What do I do next? What do I do next? What do I do next? And they told me to get out of there and go to a 12 step meeting and 
raise your hand and say you need help. And, and that's what I did. Max, what happened in rehab that changed the course of your life? Lots of things, but the big, the, the one that I think you're hinting at is, um, <laughs> I took yoga for the first time and, um, that definitely altered the course of my life for sure. I did yoga. Well, I had done it one other time in a different treatment. So the first time I found yoga, I wasn't really ready to put the drink or the drug down, but I did yoga in treatment and I like, I, I just knew something was there. You know, I, um, it was the first time in years that I remember that those obsessive thoughts in my head about like, Oh, where am I going to get the next one? How am I going to get the next one? Where do I have to get the money from? Who do I have to text? Who do I have to call? How am I going to do this and that and this and that those obsessive thoughts in my head, they just paused. And I think it was like in an outpatient program. I still remember the teacher's name was Julia. I've actually seen her in like recovery meetings and it's, it's, it's awesome That's to like amazing. still know her yeah. that she like brought that into my life. But, um, it's a huge, huge win after years of just obsessive thinking, like a few minutes, a few breaths even was like life-changing. So I knew that like, I wanted to get back to that. Um, and eventually I did, it took me a little while after getting out of treatment. I, uh, right away, I just did like all the things they told me to do that they were like, this is going to save your life. You know? So like I got out of treatment and I went to a 12 step meeting and I raised my hand and I said, I needed help. And I got a sponsor right away. And then I just went through the work like ASAP. You know, I, I met, I met this guy, young dude, like super cool dude. And he was just explaining to me, like, it says like, he can win, like, we can win each other's confidence over in like a few minutes, you know, yeah. and that's exactly what happened. He was just like talking about exactly how I did feel in that moment. And he was like, I used to feel like you and I don't feel like that anymore. Like I used to hate myself and I don't anymore. Like I can look at myself in the mirror. I love myself today. And I like help other people. And like, and basically it was just like, do you want this? If you want this, like, let's go, let's get after it. And that's exactly what we did. Like every time he was just like, do this. And then I would do it and just ask what's next and what's next and what's next. And, um, my first yoga class that I went to outside of rehab was with my sponsor. I think I had like four months clean at that point, maybe five, something like that. And he asked, he was like, yeah, do you want to go do a hot yoga class? I was like, yeah, let's, let's do it. Cause I was like, so wrapped up in the work of just like going through the 12 steps. And I totally forgotten about yoga. By the time I got home, I was just like, I need to do this. Like this needs to come first, like recovery, number one, everything else below it, you know, like they kind of tell you like yeah. put your recovery first. Mm -hmm. And that's what I was doing. I was just taking every single suggestion I could and just like trying them on. And, um, I remember we went to that yoga class. It was like me, my sponsor, two or three other people in recovery. And it was like a packed, like hot yoga class. It was at the place that I teach at now, which is hot yoga revolution in New Jersey. And, um, I loved it. I was just like immediately hooked. It was just like the energy in the room. I could just like pause again and just all I was focused on in those moments in that hour class was just my breath, you know, and it was, uh, the room's like a hundred degrees. So like you really need to focus on yeah. your breath, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but it like, it really helped me just like get out of my head and get into my body and get into my breath and, um, just have this like experience like honestly this spiritual experience with everybody else in the room just moving together breathing together like connecting in community and, and it was incredible and um i remember me and my sponsor walked down the stairs like it's 
on the second floor of a building. We walked down the stairs and we were just talking in the parking lot. And we were both just like, we're going to get more classes. You know, like we did a one, we did like a drop in and we walked down the stairs and we walked back up and each bought like 20 more classes on like a class card right away. It was just like, and I was just off to the races from there. Like I went like almost every day, like 20 classes then got another 20 classes and just like, it just became a part of my life. And I loved it right from the beginning. I jumped into a teacher training after probably like 60 classes, like just like, like in a row, just like kept going all the time. And I jumped right into teacher training. I had no idea what I was doing. And, um, so yeah, how long have you been teaching now? Almost three years now. Yeah. I love it so, so much. And even at hot yoga revolution, I started a, uh, a, rec- a yoga for recovery class where we brought in, we did kind of like a meeting mixed with yoga class um, that was going on for a while and it's kind of on pause now, but I'm hoping to bring it back in the fall. I think we're going to, we're going to try to bring it back. You know, there are principles and I think the two can kind of go so hand in hand. Um, I think (laughs) it's just genius. Absolutely. They, they very much do. Is it just an in-person class or can people find it online this fall? So they can find it online this fall for sure. They, so you can go to hotyogarevolution.com and then there will be a live stream schedule. Max, what's something you're grateful for today? A lot of things. <laughs> um, I mean, first and foremost, sobriety, you know, and I never thought I would ever say that, you know, I always like would hear people in the 12 step recovery meetings, like I'm a grateful grateful recovering alcoholic yeah i'm just like what are you talking about this guy's crazy (laughs) yeah this guy's literally nuts (laughs) and that's me today like i'm so grateful for my sobriety i'm so grateful for everything that i've been through that has gotten me to this moment you know grateful for every single drink and every single drug that i took like i needed all of it to get to where i'm at today i'm very very grateful for my recovery my sobriety and the millions of things that go into it, you know? Um, and I do try to put that first on my list, you know, like top of the list. Like they say, recovery comes first, whatever you put above that, you're going to lose it. anyway. Right. Everything else starts dropping off rapidly. Mm -hmm. I know that I asked you about some takeaways for today that we can offer our listeners. Um, I've got a couple that are some of my favorites. Perfect. Um, number one would probably be, gratitude lists. You know, like I said, gratitude just wasn't in my vocabulary in active addiction, in alcoholism. It it just wasn't there. And um, for me, I try to wake up each morning and whether it's type it into the notes on my cell phone or actually have a pad and paper just sitting open on my desk with tomorrow's date on it when I go to bed. So I know to wake up and just real quick, just jot down a few things that I'm grateful for, Mm, you know, or I type it into the notes on my phone, just like have that ready to go. Whether I set a reminder on my phone or I just leave the notebook open with the pen already there with tomorrow's date, like it's super, I set myself up for success, you know, just like have it there, have it open, have it stare you in the face and start your day off with just with gratitude for, for what I've got, which is a tremendous amount, you know, um, so just like little actionable wins to start off my day definitely really help. Um, 
that could be one takeaway for, for people. Another one could be, and I love to just call people all the time. Like that's mm-hmm. another one of my favorite things. Like so much can get lost through text messaging. You know, there's no real, like you can say I'm all right. Or like, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm great. But, but on the phone, like you can really tell yeah. how somebody's doing, you know, like they say like, Oh, I'm fine. But yeah. like, you, you can tell you're like, you're not fine. Like I, yeah. I just heard it, you know, but in a text, I'm fine. Like, all right. They said they're fine. They're fine. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So if you're thinking about somebody, give them a call, you know, ask how they're doing, ask what's going on. And that helps me in turn. Like, I, I think I'm helping that other person, you know, I'm calling them, I'm asking them how they're doing. And in turn, it'll help me. It helps me get out of myself. It helps me stop being as selfish and self-centered if I'm being that way that day, you know, just get out of myself. And uh, who knows, you could be saving somebody just by making that little phone call. Be like, hey, I was thinking about you. I don't know why I was thinking about you, but popped into my head and just giving you a call. What's up? How you doing? It's been a while. You know, simple so as true. that. Yeah. Easy yet powerful uh, action items. Max Fusaro, thanks so much for your time today and your willingness to share your story. Um, I look forward to keeping in touch, my friend, and perhaps uh, being on a yoga mat together one day soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Like, super grateful. I can't even really express like how grateful I am to get the opportunity to share my story with a lot of people and hopefully just... Um, yeah, if it helps one person, you know, it's worth it, you know, or even if it doesn't help one person, you know, it helps me and you today, tonight. Yeah. yeah. So we're, we're doing what we got to do. Thanks so much for listening today, friends. Huge thank you to Max for being so open and honest. Hopefully you heard something that resonates with you today. And if we help just one person, our job is done. You can find all things podcast related and subscribe to our show at the sobrietydiaries.com youtube.com slash nate kelly where we upload today's video podcast and on instagram at the sobriety diaries pod check back soon every wednesday and sunday for new episodes but until then try your best not to drink and be good to yourself bye friends